No, we're doing Matthew. Oh, son of a... Son of a... Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beer and Bible. I am Neil, lead questioner, and this is... I was going to plug you again. I always have to plug you. You're the architect. We should have, like, a bum bum or some metal. We, we need intro music. We do need intro music. But I, I'll put that on my to-do list. I am simply the humble Bible reader and super high-functioning alcoholic, and that's that's it. No, that's it. Yeah, and we used to ask what you're drinking tonight, but we now know it's going to be Voodoo Ranger <sighs> White Haze Juicy IPA. It's locked in Juicy Haze IPA, the gas station near me. My buddy, my good buddy, Indian Neil, not you, Neil, but Indian Neil, he keeps it stocked for me. He is from India, so it's not Native American Neil, it's Indian Neil. We're cool like that. We're bros. Love that guy. He stocks my white, uh, and I've started calling them white boys in mountain bike because there's like 10 different colors of cans. It's like the black one's the Imperial, which is really, really good, but it gets you drunk quick. And then you got the white cans, you got the yellow cans, orange. There's every flavor, but it's the white cans. He keeps them stocked for me. They're the flavor I like. God bless you, Indian Neil. Thank you Amen. for helping fuel this podcast and my alcoholism. Bless you. Amen. <laughs> All right, and we are in the book of Matthew. Last when we left, we had the situation where the Pharisees, if you think of the Pharisees, are a religious cultural group. In the Middle East at that time, religion and politics and social things are all combined. I think that's so, still going on. Is that not? Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we in America thought we like that. Let's bring it over here. We imported it. We we well, no, I was going to say we fucked it up, though. But I guess everybody fucks it up because I, yeah. I, I don't I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to go like we're not going hyper political. We never do that on this show. But like I'm I, I, like I respect a certain amount of separation of church and state. This is a good <laughs> thing. We've talked about this a little bit before. The Middle East is going to be a lot more involved with that than we are, that even America today, we are not as integrated with our religion and government as they are. But The news headlines may say differently, but... Yeah. Shift's a little different in other places. One of the things that makes it hard is that America has a decent history with it, such as the fight against capital punishment came from Christians that felt that everybody should have a right to life. Mm. Martin Luther King Jr., he wasn't a politician, he was a preacher that became a political movement uh, and that, speaker. Yes, that's true. So it's it's very uncomfortable for me. I'm like you. I'm very uncomfortable <clears throat> with mixing church and state, but I'm like, ah. It's because usually the people that are like speaking about it are like the people that are on TV are doing it fucking wrong. Yes. <laughs> It's like the people that somehow get the spotlight shown on them are not the ones that you want. It's a bad representation. We would like to send them back to the draft. Yeah, it's just something very hard to do well, and I'm glad I'm not going to ever do that. Strickland, <laughs> 2032, or whatever. I don't even know if that's the next I election, would, if that's I the correct election year. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Going back to the situation, the Pharisees are coming to Jesus, and Jesus cast out a demon, and they said to Jesus, you obviously did that because you're one of them. You are Satan, (laughs) which, by the way, makes a little bit of sense in their thought process, because for them, there are three things, three powers that only God can do. So, Jewish mindset, this is one of the many things I have read 
about Judaism is that there are three things that are powerful that God can do and no one can replicate. No magicians, no politicians, no demons can do. And that would be bring someone back from the dead, control the weather. And there's a third one I forgot. I think it might be create. But the main point is casting out demons does not fall in one of those three. So it makes sense that they would be like, well, obviously you're trying to play one over on us. You are the prince of demons. Wait, and did, you're going to just do all three of those things. No, he we did, haven't gotten he did that two far. of them. Oh, are we, yeah, we haven't. Okay. We no. haven't gotten that far yeah, yet. Sorry, we sorry, are sorry, heading sorry. that direction. I'm, I'm, I'm like waiting in like in anticipation here. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. We'll okay. Then the, he has this sort of illustration of a strong man overpowering somebody in a house. And there's a question about whether that means the strong man is Jesus coming in and overpowering or that it is a demon who comes in and overpowers somebody that is the the house or the dwelling being their own body and being a demon possession of sorts. And Jesus goes back and forth. And then he talks about this idea of there is this one sin that if you do, it means you're going to hell forever and ever and no ifs, ands, or buts. And it's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. There is a question as to what exactly that is. We don't really have any great answers. My recommendation to you is listen to our previous podcast, then Google it. Go find other people to say it. they're going to give you like. There are infinite ideas of what that could possibly be. The two that we sort Can of I highlighted. Can I call out real quick? Yeah. Are sure. Yes. Okay. So we're talking about like going into people's houses and overpowering them, powering them. Isn't that how Jesus was conceived? Touche. Touche. <laughs> Chris one, Bible zero. I mean, isn't that kind of That's like the scoreboard? Run of the mill, you watch out for angels, and God forbid God comes around like after a night of drinking. If God wants a baby, there is going to be a baby that is going to happen. We have seen that throughout the entire Old Testament. Anyway, time time in. Time in. Time in. Thank you. So that brings us up to tonight. And let's go ahead and read. This is Matthew twelve. We're gonna read verses thirty eight and thirty nine. Also, you're going to have to remind me which verses I'm reading. I mean, I've got a mark. But, like, do you think Jesus is at the point now where he's, like, he's, like, trying to be cool, but he sees the Pharisees coming up, and he's, like, oh, God. Like, oh, <laughs> God. I just, oh, fuck these guys. Fuck these guys. God, give me, Dad, give me the strength. Honest opinion <sighs> on this thing. Honest opinion. <laughs> because is that... he's been having to fuck with these guys. He, and he's gotten to the point yeah, where he's I just think... playing with them. But it's just, like. Every time I turn a corner and I'm trying to help somebody, these motherfuckers are right there waiting in the wings. How I imagine this is these are people that he absolutely loves. Like some of your best friends. And you're like, why are they going to say something so stupid right now? You love them with all of your heart. But there's this thing that sort of like it drives you nuts a little bit, but you really want to see them do well. Like you're just like, I wish I could help them change. <laughs> That's how I imagine it. I'm at trying least. to help you help yourselves. I'm trying to help y'all learn, and you keep fucking it up. Yes. So it's more of yes. that mindset. Yes. <laughs> there was one time a post that I saw where it was something along the lines of the Jesus of the Bible would make Republicans feel very uncomfortable or something. And I remember thinking, you know, honestly, I think he would make all of us feel really uncomfortable, yeah. but he would probably also make all of us feel really loved. Yeah. Like, hey, and, you know, that's funny because that's the first time I've heard that presented that way. 
And you literally just now made something click for me because it's like growing up and growing up in the church that I grew up in. Again, love them. They're great. But like if you catch that like Southern like scripture, it's kind of like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were all dicks like they were all yeah. fuckers and they killed Jesus. And like that's kind of like even they don't sell it outright like that. You always kind of get that that tone of like these guys were anti they were other they were like against him but that the way you just described it makes fucking sense the way he's talking is like maybe it wasn't him being condescending towards them maybe he's like no no you guys like you we're same team same team guys like like get on this exactly exactly fuck Um, you just you just blew me away just now he, for the most part, Jesus agrees with the Pharisees more than the Sadducees. Now, remember, if you go back to when he collected his 12, he got them from every part of the Jewish society. Yeah. He's just like, this guy, his name's Philip, and it's which is weird because his name is a Greek name and all the rest are Hebrews. So you're like, whoa, 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 this guy's an outsider. He shouldn't be part of this. You've got the four fishermen. And they're from all from Galilee, from the the yokels. You've got one guy who's a tax collector. You got two guys with anarchy spray painted on their jackets, flipping freaking blades, like they're they're ready to shank a shank a soldier. It's a real weird ragtag group of people, and a lot of what he says connects pretty well with the Pharisees. Later on, um, he will actually. It's a small tangent here. One time we we're at church and church preacher and everything else and the preacher is up there and he's like hey give us some names of jesus commandments can, can you tell us some of the commandments of jesus and so what the preacher is expecting us to be like love other people and like you know like the very church answers if you haven't been to church that's the kind of answers they're looking for and meanwhile i'm sitting there back with our friend bill and i'm sitting here thinking to myself remember the time when jesus said listen to the pharisees and do what they say and <laughs> Of course, like, I know that if I said that, I would totally interrupt the guy's flow. Like, that is, like, things that the preacher does not expect. That's not one of the scriptures that many Christians remember. Because, like you said, most often the Pharisees are presented as, these are the bad guys. These are not the good guys. Them bad, Jesus good. When actually he was like, no, no, like, listen to what they have to say in this manner, but don't do as they do. As you listen to us talk about the book of Matthew you will find out more about what they teach and more about what this socio-political group does and that they don't always connect really well. You could say that they, in many cases, are very hypocritical or have bent things and twisted things in a way that don't seem to gel with what Jesus is teaching, which you may or may not be able to draw conclusions with your own preferred political party. <laughs> Anyways. You, you did a good job with that. Yeah, let's jump into verses 38 through 39. Now we're getting to the Bible. Now I'm going to earn my keep here. Let's see, 38 and 39. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So he's going to eat them with a fucking whale. That would be the best thing ever. Just threaten everyone. (laughs) Just jumps out of the sand and kills them. It's a graboid. (laughs) I love that image. So the Pharisees and then the scribes, that's who these people are, the scribes. They're the people that know all the Bible and have memorized it and write it down over and over again. I think we've talked about it in this 
podcast before, there was a quote, woe is the rabbi with an honest scribe. Basically, a rabbi is trying to teach something, and the scribe's like, actually, the Bible actually says this. You're like, dang it. (laughs) You ruined it for me. I was trying to make a point, and you're holding me back with the word of God. Something else that's been going on is Jesus has been doing all this Messiah stuff. He's been doing examples and performing miracles. He's casting out demons and healing people's blindness, which may or may not be because of demons. And And don't do it on a holiday. Right. So he's doing all these things, and now these people are asking for a sign. So it's a little strange. So one of the questions is, why signs? They're usually verify a prophetic utterance. So if I'm like, God said this, you could say, can you give me evidence that God said this? And then I would do something. And then you can justify unusual action. Hey, you did something really, really strange. And then you're like, I did something miraculous, but God told me to do it. And then I do something crazy, and you're like, whoa. Okay, that's weird. I guess God said it because a miracle happened. Somebody just got healed. You do the thing uh, where you like flip your eyelids inside out, and it looks like your eyes are red, and it's just like, ah, and they're like, it's a miracle. Gosh, <laughs> I hope that doesn't trick them. <laughs> I really hope that doesn't trick them. It's a witch. It could, also, yeah. it could also be to back up a doctrinal point of, hey, I just taught something, and like, well, that's. I've never heard anyone teach that before. That sounds anti-God. And then you do something like, oh, that does look like something God would do. Okay, 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 I'll listen to you. So it might be that. It's sort of your teachings on it. Or in this case, it's to prove Messiahship, which he's been going around doing Messiah stuff. And that's sort of the point of of Matthew writing all of these miracles is to point that out. And how he has them asking for a sign of it. And he turns around and calls them an evil and adulterous generation, which is similar to Ezekiel 23 and Hosea. We're still doing that nowadays. With what? With the new generations calling them uh, adulterous and bad. Yeah, yeah. This is used in the Tanakh in the Old Testament in reference to Israel and how they were turning away from God and serving other gods. Those dicks. Exactly. Now, I will say that as awesome as the grill masters are, those other gods had orgies and they didn't Ooh, have any Jewish orgies. You, you, you got me at orgies. Let's look back at idolatry and how that works. It's kind of strange. Nothing better than a Sunday afternoon orgy. Yeah. You leave the church and you bypass the KFC and go straight to the strip club. Do you want to go to breakfast before or do you want to do brunch afterwards? Both. What are you thinking? Both. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At the same time. So going back to idolatry. You would take an item, like a log or a stone or something else, you would carve it out, and then this could become your local deity or something like that, and then you could worship it. One of the things about idols is that they do serve you. I have a car. The reason I own the car is that it gets me from point A to point B, something that I cannot do on my own. If I have an idol or a god and I can worship said idol or god, it will keep the rain falling on my field in the right seasons. It will stop floods. It will stop droughts. So there is a utility in having other gods. So... If you are a agrarian society and you have this God of Israel, but then you also have this local rain God and your neighbor's like, no, dude, I've been using this rain God for three years. Haven't had a dry season in all three years. Yeah. You're like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I'll take one of those. Like, because your rain God doesn't get mad if you worship other gods. It's like, no, I got rain God. I got a sky God. You're like, oh, okay, that sounds good. So they're all fucking anyway. Yeah, yeah. And don't forget, orgy on Wednesday night. What? (laughs) Wednesday night? A midweek orgy? Whoa. All right. So the Israeli God is very different. The Israeli God is a jealous God that wants this very focused one-on-one 
relationship with him and his people, and that's all he wants. So then he uses this term for you are a wicked and adulterous generation, and that is how Israel is described. So now he's turning around and yelling at the people that write these stories down, the scribes that write them down, the Pharisees that teach these stories, and now he's using the instant insult from those stories against the Pharisees going after them. And they're wanting a sign. Luke uses the word zeteo, meaning demands. They're yelling for this. Like they are, it's not just like, hey, could we have a sign? We want to see it. Like, no, give us a sign now. And his response is that you only get a sign of Jonah. So the sign of Jonah, what does that mean? It's just like English, it has some tra- strange grammatical ways of interpreting it. There is an unknown sign that Jonah had that we don't know of. So God gave Jonah a sign, and now we're waiting for the same one. Or the sign of Jonah as in Jonah comes out of the whale, and then the Nineveh sees Jonah and like, whoa, that guy looks really messed up. Looks like he's been eaten by fish stomach acid for three days. <laughs> and so maybe that's it. So there are a couple different interpretations about exactly what that means, but we do see it connected. Go ahead and read verse 40. Verse 40. Uh, found it. <clears throat> For as Jonah was there three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He was comparing Jonah to Jesus. Right. And it says three days. And then some people think that this verse was actually added Damn, afterwards. I think Jesus had it better. Even though he was dead, like he wasn't in a fish's gut getting like rocked by stomach acid and fucking shark guts and you know shellfish do whales eat sharks probably killer whales do orcas do oh okay there we go maybe <laughs> you didn't know that by an orca. like to go for mm-hmm. the livers of great whites i didn't know that no that's fascinating so shinfo <laughs> shitty info <laughs> i learned that from my favorite disbanded band every time i die r.i.p I bet I cry myself to sleep every night thinking about them. <laughs> Sorry, I just keep laughing at this. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's hilarious. Talk about whale guts. <laughs> three days, three nights. Some people think that this was added in later because they didn't know how long Jesus was going to be in the grave. So they later on, when the verse was added in, was like, yeah, Jesus totally knew the entire time that it was going to be three days, three nights. He, so the thought is Jesus never actually said this. Matthew just did it to make Jesus sound super specific in his prediction of his death. Oh, Matthew, maybe, don't be manipulating also, the Lord's words. That would get you yeah. fucked up. And there is some confusion about exactly how many days and which days there were that Jesus was in the grave. We are not going to get into that tonight because that is a topic that could even be multi-episodic about exactly when Jesus died and when he was buried and the timeline and trying to coordinate four narratives or four biographies of Jesus's death and how they sometimes look. Yeah. I'll see what we can do with Matthew. One book of the Bible. Do y'all want us to go into that comment or I've been watching too much YouTube. I was about to say like, and subscribe. Don't do any of that. Just like and comment. Yes. Talk a little shit. Send some of those little uh, eggplant little, little things to us. The eggplant uh, with emojis. We like those. Yeah, emojis like only. Those. No photos. No photos. Eh, I'll take them. Okay, photos. <laughs> Go ahead and read 41 through 42. Can't make me, but I'll do it. Please. All right. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented 
at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. Who's this queen of the south? Oh, we're going to get into that in a second. Oh, she's your type. (laughs) We're going to get into this in just a second. Let's talk about Jonah first. So Jonah, three days, three nights. He Yeah, fish boy comes out, and who does he speak to? Now, remember, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. They see themselves as the experts on the Old Testament, on the Tanakh, where all of these stories are coming from. And he goes, you wicked and adulterous generation. Like, that's an insult from our favorite book. And then he says, just like Jonah was in this situation, like, we know that story. And Jonah is a racist prophet, a xenophobic prophet, that God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, which was a very powerful place they really almost take it to the next level back then like just real quick it's like it could be a city over and it's like no we don't like those motherfuckers if you even come in contact with any of those motherfuckers just just kill them just don't talk to them or i mean you don't kill them but don't talk to them don't associate with them but that was like all the cities like all the areas all the regions it was like they were extreme as fuck every single one of them was like this is the way (laughs) yeah So Nineveh was the capital of the powerful empire of that time. They were the ones that were going off, killing people, raiding, taking over land. And here's Jonah, God's chosen people, which is not powerful at the time. And he's being told, hey, that big, powerful empire in their capital city of Nineveh, they are not obeying me and my word and what God wants for the world. And Jonah's like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm staying out of that. And then God says, no, I want you to go in there and I want you to ask them to repent and turn away and jonah he really believes that god is this all-powerful judgmental god that's gonna screw everyone over his fear is that if he goes there and tells them to repent they are going to repent and then god will forgive them and not smite them i'll be damned yes god's (laughs) request for jonah is to go and get them to repent and jonah's like no i don't want to give them the opportunity and then he goes ahead and does that and then they repent and so that's Jonah one said, story. Fuck your couch. Yes. I'm not going over there. So what you see is Jesus is using an example of a Gentile, a non-Jewish group, turning and believing and following God. So in the same way, he is speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes who believe themselves to be the people of God, and he's saying, you guys are wanting a sign, yet the people of Nineveh, they had this sign of Jonah, and they repented. You say that you know God, and you are demanding a sign, and you are not changing. The people of Nineveh received the sign of Jonah. They received Jonah, and they repented and followed God's word. So also, just to, if you're sitting there trying to jump into that, we're not going to get into Jonah, but just an FYI, think of it as a very temporary thing where, where God was like, you should all repent, and they're like, yeah, we'll all repent for a week or two. They're like... Wait, is the orgy still on? Uh, two weeks from now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so that's the first one. And now to the Queen of the South, this would have been an African queen. Ooh. Yes. 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 So she was the queen of, I want to say, I'm trying to remember, but I think the Kush or Sheva was the region of Ethiopia. So she came from there and she was considered very beautiful, very, very wealthy. And the stories that she was hearing about this empire of Solomon, Solomon's empire, trade routes, he was importing wild animals because he was really into zoology. True story. (laughs) 
And he had this amazing, huge economic empire. And she heard about this and she heard about the wisdom. And the wisdom that is described in that book is in reference to the wisdom of running a kingdom, not the Poor Richard's Almanac, Benjamin Franklin style wisdom. We're talking about administrative. He was the best, quote unquote, president, king, you know, that he was making all the right decisions and everybody loved it, except for God. He didn't make the best decisions for God, but he made the best decisions for people. So that's got to be something. <laughs> so this is a woman that's a Gentile, not a Jewish person. She hears a rumor about this guy's wisdom. She goes up, sees the kingdom. She marvels and recognizes the power and the might and the strength and the blessing that comes from the Israeli God. So Jesus is saying, you wicked and adulterous generation. Hey, wait a second. We don't like that call. Yes. And he points out two examples. One is a Jewish person going to a Gentile territory and all of them repenting. Another one is a Gentile coming to Jewish territory and noticing or recognizing the power of God. We want a sign. We want a sign. Now, the two examples we're giving are, are quote unquote, signs or ways of recognizing. And so that's what Jesus' response is. Here's how these people in your books, remember, we didn't mention that the scribes were there. The people in your books are recognizing God's power. Okay. I think that sum, summarizes that pretty well. Yeah. Actually, would you mind reading 43 through 45? Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. That's my only job. Literally my only job. <clears throat> when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with the wicked generation. He just lays into them. It's so, like you let one in, and it goes out and finds more, and then you like you let these other little things slip here and there and there and there, and then the whole thing you're teaching has been bastardized. Where like you don't even look at these things that back in the day I said to like pay attention to. I think that's a better explanation than what I was about to say. Nah, probably not. I'll cover some things, but. <laughs> If you just got that out of Chris, you're pretty much good, and you can <laughs> fast forward a couple minutes. Based on the response on your teaching on demons, Chris, that seems to be something that a lot of people think is very fascinating in our audience, and this is not necessarily one of those places to really pull from a lot of demonology, or at least I'm not focused on demonology because that is your role now. Bible reader, demon expert, herpetologist. <laughs> I'll take it. So demons were believed to inhabit the places like deserts and marshes and things, the wilderness. So remember, Jesus, where does he go? He goes to the wilderness to fast for 40 days. And who does he meet? Satan! Satan! He's around every corner, the devil. So how is it a house equals a person? Where do we make that assumption? There are some examples in rabbinic literature where that happens. I will just give you a chunk from Epistle of Barnabas. I discover, therefore, that there is, in fact, a temple. How then will it be built in the name of the Lord, learn, before we believed in God, our heart's dwelling place was corrupt and weak, truly the temple built by human hands, because it was full of idolatry and was the home, the yukos, of demons, so the house of demons, <coughs> for we did whatever was contrary to God. So Sounds like a good a, arcade game. House of, of demons. Or, or a Rob like Zombie. A Rob zombie. Oh! 
<laughs> or Rob Zombie album. That's what I was literally just about to say. So wow. Great minds think alike. Yeah, yeah, and us too. <laughs> so looking at this, one take is whatever has sent the demons out has no preventative effect on more demons. This might be a slam against the Pharisees and how the, they were casting out demons in comparison that now all you've done is, is clear them out, more, more demons are going to come in. Another interpretation is cleaning or living rightly with good deeds, like the Pharisees, you know, go do this, do this, do this, do this, means nothing when it comes to demons. They're still going to come in and, and take over. Or maybe the house is made ready for someone to dwell, meaning possibly the Christian concept of the Holy Spirit. Another option is the house is made ready for someone else to dwell, that someone else being the Holy Spirit. In Christianity, there is, and in Judaism, there is this entity or this manifestation or this part of God or entireness of God because it's the Trinity and it's very weird to figure out within Christian teaching that there's this Holy Spirit that dwells. So then that's the idea of Jesus or God dwelling in your heart, but instead demons come in here if it's not filled up. So probably best not to get too caught up in demonology here and really pull out a lot from it. I'm sure there are books that exist written and been like, this is what Jesus said, and this is absolutely how demons work. But there you go. There's sort of an idea or understanding. But again, you heard what Chris said. He said it better than anything I just said. So go with that. How about you go ahead and read 46 through 50? Hey, if, if it makes you feel any better, even a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while. Chris, Book of Chris Stanley, 36 <laughs> While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside, wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Damn, that that's mm, that's hard. What do you mean that's hard? Like <laughs> it's like what if his mom was standing outside? He's saying, No, no, no. She wasn't with me this whole time. These are the motherfuckers that are standing beside me. These are the hardcore dudes. They're the ones that are standing by me. Like they're they're the ones who are out here dealing with you motherfuckers, preaching the gospel, dealing with these damn Pharisees and these motherfucking Sadducees dealing coming at my throat all the time. And like these are my brothers and sisters and mother. This is my family right here. Dang. Like yeah. the rap game. Yeah, good point. Good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. So, just an FYI. These are the guys uh, that have stood by me through the bullshit. People trying to yeah. hang me. The devil's trying to bang me out in the wilderness. I mean, feed me out in the wilderness, make me eat food and all this shit. <laughs> Some whole other, other shit. Where were they? But the, this is my family now. Fuck them. Fuck y'all. <laughs> fuck all y'all. <laughs> Not you, God. I still got you, Dad. But, like, fuck everybody else. Except for these guys that stuck with me through the rap game, through all these trials and tribulations, through my first... My first fucking platinum album. That does sound like a, a thank you speech just now. <laughs> the way that ran off. <laughs> they always start out with, well, I want to thank God, but also, fuck this dude, fuck this dude, fuck this dude. And I thank God for my family. That's nice. And when he says family, in this that's case, not, Jesus means... Nice. Jesus really means his posse. So, just an FYI. Verse 47 is actually missing in many texts. And if you're wondering is it why. Is missing in the King James? It is. It is ah! missing in the King James. 
<laughs> That's why, like, you were talking earlier about how, like, when you have your scribe, and if your scribe is, like, smarter than you, I was thinking about how many times that happened to Jimmy, and they had to go to the execution block or something. Yeah, I'm just glad that Joey's not on here to correct us. <laughs> we keep Joey. him locked in that dungeon. Have fun in Australia, bitch. 3.5 venomous snakes per person per... Just kidding, we love you, Joey, and I miss you so much. Let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 33, 8 through 9. So this is oh, us shit. jumping back to the Old Testament. This is what the Pharisees and the scribes, the people that are challenging Jesus, are going to be aware of. Or in this case, this is at least what the Jewish people, the people who are going, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers and sisters are here. So they will know this verse. About Levi, he said. Oh, man, there's a lot of shit in here. I'm not going to know how to say I'm just gonna I'm just gonna plow through it. About Levi, he said, "Your thummim and urim belong to the man you favored." That sounds sexual. You okay. tested him at Massa. You contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said of his father and mother, "I have no regard for them." He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. So this idea that of the Jewish community being considered family is not totally unheard of. Levi is the tribe from which the priests come through. So in Judaism, priests are born. They are not elected. They are not chosen. They are all patrilineal originally. And the idea of choosing and putting God first among everything, even before his own family, which if you think Middle Eastern family, that's a very, very big deal. But it shows the focus of the priesthood towards God. So this is not unheard of in that community for Jesus to say this. It might have rung in the ears like, wait a second, this sounds familiar. This sounds like this old story we heard. We talked about the focus on God. Uh, no dad. So we mentioned earlier that it said mother, brother, sisters, but it didn't actually say dad. So some people speculate that Joseph actually died sometime after Jesus turned 12. Some people have be- believed that Joseph was older when he married Mary. I think when we described him earlier on, we said he could be around 20 years old. Some people have said maybe he's, you know, in his late 30s or 40s and potentially even had been married previous to Mary, that Mary was a second marriage, that Joseph was a widow. Some of this is where people get the idea of of Mary being a perpetual virgin. That is, Joseph had already had a previous marriage, had children by his first wife, then she passed away, so he was single. He married Mary the Virgin, and she conceived Jesus, but then they never slept together after that. And so when we talk about Jesus having brothers and sisters, or just brothers, it's his half-brothers through Joseph from a previous marriage. So I guess they wouldn't even be half-brothers, technically. Ooh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There is one scholar that points out that maybe what's going on is that as Matthew is writing this in anywhere from 58 to the late 70s common era, that he's writing this to a group of people that might have been undergoing persecution. So this might be a sort of way of reminding them or telling them or encouraging them, saying that Jesus is not going to abandon them or God will not abandon the followers of Jesus, that they are cared for by God or by Jesus in the near future. So it could just be like a nice little, hey— I know you're going through a tough time. Don't forget, Jesus considers you family. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's it for tonight. We got through our Matthew chapter 12. Took us a few episodes, but there you go. (laughs) Well, that's how Matthew goes. 
And also, yeah. we got to talk about Jonah a little bit. We got to yes. tip our toes outside of Matthew a little bit. But also, too, we're good to this whole Matthew thing. It's for y'all. It's for you guys because we love you and because you need it. This We're yes. giving you the Jesus. It actually, this might work like in a weird way because we give you the Jesus because we did some Old Testament stuff like back in the day, like 20 years ago before we got into Matthew. But now we're going into Matthew. So if you listen to this and then once we start dipping back in, we do some little like off stories back into the Old Testament. You'd be like, dude, all of this shit kind of connects because you could pretty much take anybody in the Old Testament that's like a big name, anybody you heard in Sunday school, anybody you heard at your church, and they will have been mentioned in Matthew at some point. Yeah, they make a lot of interesting appearances. And this goes back to a couple episodes back. We were recommending the idea of how to approach the Bible, and we actually recommended starting in the Old Testament, which is kind of strange for us to be teaching in the New Testament, the Christian scripture. <laughs> We're like, no, go ahead and check out the Jewish scriptures. And our take on this is, again, inspired by Chris. So I'm just stealing straight up from Chris, <laughs> is that you will understand so much more of Matthew if you are familiar with these stories. We're mentioning these stories from the book of Jonah, which that's the story where Jonah comes from. And there's a book called First Kings that we mentioned the story of the queen of the South, the, the queen of Shiva coming from that actually shows up in that book. If you were very, very familiar with the Tanakh, that is the Jewish scriptures or the old Testament, you would have listened to, to tonight and been like, Oh yeah, Jonah know that whole story. Oh yeah. Queen of Shiva. Yeah. I know that whole story. So definitely go and, and check out that episode again. If you get a chance, just get more and more familiar. We're going to try and do as much teaching as we can and covering some stuff as we go through it. In Matthew. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out at Beer and Bible Show. And questions, comments, like hit us with everything. Again, thanks for listening. We love you guys, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Bye.